Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The night hung heavy with tension as our SEAL team, led by Joe Levy, embarked on a covert reconnaissance mission in the politically unstable region of the Middle East. Our goal was to gather intel on a Taliban leader named Abu Sal. As we navigated through the hostile territory, the air was thick with the acrid scent of uncertainty. The mission started as routine as any operation in such a tumultuous region. We moved with the precision and stealth that defined our training, shadows in the night seeking information in the heart of the enemy's stronghold. As we approached a seemingly inconspicuous compound, our instincts led us to investigate further. A hidden entrance in the barren landscape revealed an underground facility that wasn't on any intel briefings. It was a clandestine operation conducting illicit experiments, a stark deviation from our mission's original objective. Entering the facility, we found ourselves face to face with a squad of enemy Taliban forces. The ensuing firefight was fierce, the echoes of gunfire and the shouts of combat resonating through the underground chambers. We eliminated the threat with the precision that defined our SEAL training but couldn't shake the feeling that we had stumbled upon something far more sinister than a terrorist cell. As we moved deeper into the facility, the environment became increasingly surreal. Strange humanoid creatures lurked in darkened corners, and glimpses of massive, Bigfoot-like beings sent shivers down our spines. It was a disturbing realization that our mission had taken an unexpected turn into the realm of the unknown. The tension reached a boiling point when we encountered a chamber that housed something akin to vampires, creatures with an evil, predatory presence. The room reeked of death, and our senses were assaulted by the sight of these monstrous entities confined within the facility. In the chaos that ensued, one of these creatures managed to escape its containment. Its movements were swift and erratic, catching us off guard. The room erupted in gunfire, but the creature proved resilient, retaliating with deadly precision. The struggle was brutal, and in the end, a few of our team members fell to the monstrous foe. Realizing the dire situation, we fought our way out of the hellish depths, desperate to escape the nightmarish experiments that surrounded us. Once outside, the creature pursued us, hunger evident in its eyes. However, as it emerged into the light, a strange phenomenon occurred, it recoiled at the touch of the sun's rays. Seizing the opportunity, we called for an evac, but our communication was abruptly cut short by the distant rumble of enemy Taliban jeeps. With no time to spare, we hid in the shadows, watching as the hostile forces passed by, oblivious to our presence. We escaped and briefed our commander about what we found, but he was dismissive and told us we're probably talking BS because of trauma we experienced. I know what I saw. The Beast of Jackson County, on September 13, 2013, before I share anything about my encounter, I had been studying wolves and their behavior for about three years. Jackson County, covering approximately 656 square miles with a population of roughly 675,000, is practically infested with wildlife such as deer, livestock, and predators like coyotes and foxes. It wouldn't be likely for a large predator, such as a wolf, 
to be lurking in the sparse woodlands. The average wolf territory is 13 to 2,400 square miles, making it improbable for such a creature to live solely in Jackson County. This may even be the same dog or wolf-like entity that other people have reported seeing. Anyway, on to the encounter. I was just chilling on the laptop in the living room, watching people blow stuff up, when I felt the need to go to the bathroom. I set the laptop down, put my headphones on the keyboard, and got out of the chair. Let me clarify that I'm not a psychic or a medium, but I have a sort of sixth sense that allows me to tell if something is watching me, and I knew something was. We have a huge window on the wall just above the couch, and it was a particularly cold night, so the windows caught things like breath fairly well. I turned to the window, thinking that whatever was watching me was there. I knew I'd see it if it was, and it would have to be either standing on something or as tall as the devil himself to see into the window of our trailer. Since it was around 8 feet off the ground, with the top of it being about 11 feet, I looked over to see the window, and the only thing I could see was the floodlights shining. Something seemed to duck under the window, like a kid playing hide and seek. I didn't think anything of it, considering our neighbors were sort of druggies and alcoholics who often came to look in our windows. Plus, every opening to the house was locked, so I had nothing to worry about. I went to the bathroom, and when I finished, I washed my hands and went back to the laptop. I noticed that the floodlights went out, so whatever it was was gone. Not thinking anything else of it, I went back to watching people blow stuff up on YouTube. I should mention that my eyes are sharp, sharp enough to spot a bird about 50 feet away in a tree. So, it's no surprise that when the floodlights came back on, I noticed immediately. I glanced up from the screen, expecting a drunken or high idiot to be looking in with a stupid expression on his face, but I was frozen by what I saw. It was a huge wolf, looking at me with dirty amber-yellow eyes. Its ears looked torn or cropped, and its face looked somewhat human-like, especially the masculine and human-like jawline compared to the rest of its face. Its lips were curled back, as if it were snarling, though I couldn't hear it. Its breath caught on the cold glass. It was so tall that the top of its head was halfway up the window, and if I had to guess how wide it was, I'd probably say about the width of my shoulders. I knew that whatever it was, it likely had wolfish instincts. So, I did the only thing I knew to do, avoid eye contact, make myself look as small as I could while exposing my throat and underside. This is a common submissive position, and although I was scared out of my mind, I knew that holding eye contact would make me seem like a challenger, and running would make me seem like prey. When I assumed the submissive position, it must have worked, because it just hit the window, making the entire trailer shake, and then it went away. I haven't heard or seen anything else since, though I do hear the occasional howl coming from the back roads. God help the poor soul who decides to hunt this thing down. I can tell you now that whatever it was, it was not friendly. If it were, it wouldn't have slammed my window as hard as it did, and it wouldn't have acted as if I had taken its food. Although it practically assaulted my window, I can understand why it was upset. I was on its territory, after all, an intruder and possibly a threat to its existence and its prey. It's best to stay out of its way and respect it. After all, it is one of God's many strange creatures in this world.
I should start off explaining that my partner and I are experienced Bigfoot investigators who are in a unique situation, as we have a family group living in our research area. Last October, during the full moon, my partner and I were on our hilltop having quite a bit of success with two juveniles and one adult, that we noticed. We could hear them walking in the leaf litter and every once in a while we could also hear a clack or would knock from different directions. After a while, it seemed the feeling of fun for them dissipated and became a lot more cautious. Mike heard something to our north and went a ways down to investigate while I stayed by the camp, to make sure it wasn't a diversion. He came back in a rush and said he had seen one of the young ones come out of the wood line, running for the other side of the fire break, and what was following, he said he couldn't comprehend. It was about six feet tall, with pointy ears, and a long snout. At this point, I have to say that neither of us have given any creed to the dog man, wolf man or grass man theory. We just thought it was mistaken identification of a Bigfoot or a bear. I had purchased a 40 calories handgun, and some hydroshock ammunition for it earlier that day, so it was in my vehicle. After Mike had explained what he had seen, I retrieved my weapon and loaded it. All the while, we could hear the two young ones chattering and the big one stomping all to our backside. They were pissed or upset about something and they never acted that way with us. I had Mike take me down the fire break to where he saw this creature and with spotlights we scanned the area. We could hear something moving around and a few short growls. Finally Mike caught it with the spotlight going between trees and what I witnessed is something I never would have dreamed of seeing, except on a movie screen. A six feet wolf, walking on its hind legs. I fired my weapon in the air and it turned to the southeast, into the woods. We cautiously made our way back to camp, but we could hear this thing pacing us to our left. As we got back to camp, we kept listening to this thing approaching us from the woods. Mike turned on the spotlight and I leveled my gun wherever the sound was coming from. It was approaching us without fear and it felt to both of us like it was stalking us, as it was one of our juvies that Mike had witnessed. It came out from between the trees and I shot it square in the ribs at about 20 yards, we measured the next day and I am a very good shot. I saw the wound and know without a doubt I hit it. It fell to the ground, but immediately got up and ran to the southeast. We could hear it crash through the brush, and we even heard it fall down or trip over something, but it continued to head in pretty much a southerly direction, down the hill, paralleling the fire break. We were both freaked by this time, and broke camp, and left. The next morning, I loaded up a few extra clips and we went back up to see if it died somewhere close, or was just wounded, so we felt we had to track it down. We did track it from the point of where I shot it, all the way down the canyon and even found where it made such a ruckus when it fell. The leaf litter was all upended and was fairly easy to track. At one point, we did find a perfect K-9 track in a mud ridge, but it was over 8 inches across. The thing that absolutely baffled both of us was that there was no blood trail. None. We both saw the bullet hit, yet no blood? We tracked it all the way down the canyon, until we lost the trail. We talked to a Native American couple we know and they immediately said Skinwalker. We contacted a few other investigators, to try and figure out what in the hell happened. I mentioned before, that neither of us took any creed from any dogman reportings, 
but I do know that neither of us wants to experience it again, and I have never gone out in the woods unarmed since. Almost three years ago now, it was almost fall. I was heading up to get my husband from his mother's house about an hour away from where we live. It was dark, the road had just turned into a gravel road. There is woods on one side, and a creek and commercial farm on the other side. This dark gray thing came from the creek side and jumped across the road, I could make out its back end but definitely saw a tail like a dog's. I told him and his mom that I saw a donkey running across the road in front of me, but the tail looked like a dog's tail. I get laughed at for it. But I did stop my car and get out to look for the animal thinking someone had lost a pet. A car pulled up but kept going, I was hoping they would stop and ask me what was going on, but that didn't happen. I stood there for a couple of seconds and thought that it was a dumb idea, a lot of horror movies start out like that after all. But that was the full extent of that sighting. However, I had another strange thing happen on a camping trip that I took with my husband and some friends down to Merrimack Springs Caverns in Missouri if you want to hear about that one. It is short just the same but after seeing what I saw by his mom's house, I wondered how close I came to danger that night as well. I'm from Pike County, Missouri living about six miles north of the 1972 Momo sightings. I know most of the people involved in those sightings personally. I have had encounters myself with something here in the woods. With that said, I do not believe Momo is a Sasquatch. One of my experiences leads me to believe it is a dog man or something else. The last encounter I had, with what I saw, came out on all fours. My friend, who is no longer with us, and I were spending a lot of time in the woods that year, wild crafting, picking sassafras, walnut leaves, etc. We kept having weird things we couldn't explain happening to us, strange whistling, six or seven hoot owls calling from the same tree, rocks being thrown at us, something walking in the woods near us. We started putting light bars on everything and using very bright lights at night, but there was never anything there. At night, when we were out in the dark, when we walked, it walked, and when we stopped, it stopped. We are country boys and familiar with the woods at night. A raccoon or a possum will walk almost up to you in the dark, then scurry away when it realizes you are there, very predictable. A deer will walk up, and when it realizes you are there, it will run away in the dark, crashing into everything. But any time this happened, this was not the case. We would click on the lights, and nothing would be there. It finally culminated with the winter night we saw it. We were sitting on DuPont Conservation Area, what used to be the EI DuPont de Moyers powder plant, vehicles parked after cutting a load of wood in the dark with lights off, trying to entice a response by copying the strange whistling sound we had heard that year. My friend Don said, what's that? He clicked on his spotlight, an old-style yellow light, and shined it around 65 to 75 yards down the parking lot. There was an animal, which at first glance, because it was on all fours, I said it's a coyote and reached into my truck to grab my light, which is a bright LED light bar light on an 18-volt DeWalt battery. As I do, Don says, that's no fingyote. I turn around, 
shine my light on it, and it was walking from left to right across the road slowly on all fours, slinking or kinda slithering for lack of a better description. It seemed cocky. I'm like, Don, what the F is that? It looked at us. Now, it was the ugliest D thing I had ever seen, seemed to have a mangy-like mane, almost dreadlock-looking, and the rest of its body was covered in short hair. The eyes glowed reddish but changed because of the different types of lights we were shining on it. Now, I'm freaked out, so I reach back into the window to grab my pistol off the dash. As I turn back around, it takes off running on two legs into the woods, and I mean fast. We followed it with the light, and where it ran to is a two foot or so drop off the raised road into the wooded flood plain. My guess is now, on two feet, this thing is seven to eight feet tall. Realizing we couldn't explain it and that it was what had been stalking us in the woods all those times, we bailed back to my house. I talked to some friends from out of town that were camping at the campground that night, telling them about IT, not trying to sound crazy, and they told me that earlier that night, there was this strange loud, eerie growling that they had heard. A few months later, I too heard the loud eerie growling, and a few people also heard it in the months surrounding this. About a year later, I took my full-grown German Shepherd to the spot where it came walking across the road, had him stay there in the spot on the road where it had been. I went and sat where we were parked. In the daylight, he was tiny compared to what we had seen, it had to be twice his size. But, to be honest, a very similar shape in the rear end to what we had seen, and it would probably look very similar if my dog was twice his size and ran away on two legs. We live in a town of around 30 people and are surrounded by forest, oxbow swamps, river bluffs, tall hills, and deep hollers, and old farm fields, and three conservation areas totaling around 10,000 to 12,000 acres, not including all the private land around. It was a big deal at the time, I believe it was 2018 or 2017. My friend has recently passed, and I'm the only one who can share the story now. I tried to convince myself I was crazy because then what I had seen wouldn't have been real. Sadly, I am not, and it is real. Sorry if I jumped around a lot, there was a lot to type in one post. Well, that's one of my encounters. So I don't know, devil monkey, dog man, skinwalker, momo, whatever it was, it had an evil feel to it. The atmosphere seemed to change when it was near. I'm still scared when I deer hunt and carry lights religiously, and I don't let the kids wander very far at night. I was alone, on my way home from vacation. I was driving a pickup pulling a camper. It was after 11 pm on a summer night. I was about 2 hours from home but wanted to get home that night. I was traveling through a wooded area. It was about 50 miles of just trees on both sides of the road with an occasional house every 5 or so miles. I saw something move up ahead. I immediately slowed down, thinking there was a deer on the road. As I passed I saw a young woman walking on the extreme shoulder near the ditch. She was walking in traffic. She had on knee-high socks. A very short pleated type cheerleader type skirt and a halter top. She was tall with long brown hair. Since this was the middle of nowhere on a road that sees only a few cars per hour, 
I immediately assumed she was in some sort of trouble, fight with a boyfriend and left stranded, car trouble, etc. I was not going very fast at this point so I pulled over hit the emergency flashers, set the parking brake, grabbed the flashlight got out, and went back to see if she needed assistance. When I got to the rear of the trailer, she was gone. I shined the flashlight up and down both sides of the road, the ditches and even the tree line, but saw no one. I drove the rest of the way home with the hair on the back of my neck standing on end. My dad has several stories from hauling logs in Idaho and driving trucks through Utah and Nevada. My favorite is from actually just in his pickup going through Utah. He said there was a light keeping pace with him out in the desert on a moonless night. It kept pace for a minute before it disappeared and his truck turned off. He stopped turned it on and pulled off at the next diner. The folks in the diner called it a common occurrence. The creepiest is when he was hauling logs in Idaho and was coming down from near Coeur d'Alene area during a snowy winter night. He was putting on chains before heading down steep grades and said all of the hair stood up on his body. It felt like something was watching him. Halfway down the switchbacks, he saw a large figure standing on a 20-foot tall embankment. As he got closer it jumped down and the shoulders were as tall as the cab. In a single bound it leapt down and then leapt over to the other side of the embankment. At the time he thought it was a Sasquatch, now he says it was probably a demon trying to make him crash. He didn't stop to remove the chains until he was well away from the mountain. My name is Kathy and I live in Halifax County, Virginia. My entire family has always been a big outdoor family, hunting, fishing, frog gigging, canoeing, etc. About 40 years ago, I'm 53 now, after a day of hunting and cleaning deer, my brother and I were walking home from my aunt's, about 4 miles from our home. It was a dark night, no moon, and hard to see. Both of us had our 12-gauge shotguns thrown over our shoulders as we walked. We both started to feel uneasy so we went to a slow jog. We had a ditch we had to jump just as we got to the edge of the yard. My brother was faster than me so he was ahead by about 100 feet. As I jumped the ditch I heard a sudden movement as if it was coming towards me. I yelled at my brother to wait up. We went into the house and put up our guns. My grandparents had gone to visit someone and were not home yet. My brother went and took a shower. I just felt uneasy, as if someone was watching me. Something kept telling me to lock the door, which we rarely did at the time. I finally listened to my instinct and did. My brother went upstairs to his room. I took my shower, a really quick one, still feeling uneasy. I also pulled all the shades down in the house. After my shower, I lay down in my grandparents' bed waiting for them to get home. I heard the door knob rattle thinking it was my imagination. I lay there very still. I heard it rattling harder. I eased out of the bed and walked to the stairs from my grandparents' bedroom. The house was old and I made it where you could walk in a circle and go through all the rooms. You could see the side door from the stairs. I got to the stairs and knelt up on them. I told my brother that someone was trying to get in the door. He laughed at me and told me it was my imagination. 
I continued to sit there so scared almost in tears. He agreed to come down. He sat in the bedroom with me. The doorknob rattled again. He then walked to the living room which is separated by two French doors with glass. He looked through the French doors and he said he saw a tall man with his face against the top window panes of the side door. He said they had a really wide nose, and dark skin, and looked like he was as wide as the door. He said they filled the door up and his hair stood on his head. He was whispering for me to bring him a gun all the while the doorknob was still rattling. As I gave him the gun we heard a car coming down the road. The thing ducked down but we could still see its head through the bottom window panes. It was my grandparents. They pulled in. It ran off the porch toward the backyard. My brother ran outside as they pulled in and got my grandparents to pull around the yard shining headlights everywhere. We never saw anyone or anything. About a week later I went to stay with another aunt who lived about 5 miles away. It had just gotten dark. My uncle went to bed. We were each lying on opposite ends of the sofa watching TV. All of a sudden my aunt jumped up screaming, what the hell? I jumped up and asked what is it? She said someone was pressing their face against the bay window of the trailer staring in. I ran outside and walked to the end of the trailer to see if I saw anything. When I got to the end of the trailer I heard someone charge toward me. I got my butt back inside quick. My uncle had gotten dressed and he grabbed a kitchen knife and went outside to see if he saw who it was. I heard him yell, get over here. What are you looking for? He then ran into the trailer and told his wife to run to his mom's house which is in the same yard as the trailer and call the police. She wouldn't go alone. I didn't run with them for some reason as I realized I was by myself. I could hear a bumping against a trailer. I sit on the floor in the living room. My aunt ran back, apologizing for leaving me. Then I heard shots fired. My aunt and I waited. My uncle came in and said there was a 7 to 8 foot tall man wearing what seemed to be a dark brown trench coat who jumped up from behind the big bush and started running across a field behind the house. It was July, so why would anyone be wearing a heavy coat? The cops came and took a report, then pulled down and rode through the field. They never got out of the car. They said we probably scared them off. I was scared to walk anywhere by myself for a long time after that. My grandfather was in the Air Force and one night he was driving, back to his base maybe? I can't quite remember, and he saw a woman standing on the side of the road in a long white dress at about 2 a.m. He circled back to ask if she needed help and she was nowhere to be seen. He searched for her for about an hour before giving up and deciding to leave it alone. When he decided to go on his way he had a strong feeling that he needed to switch lanes, he was on the road alone in the middle of the night so he had no idea why, and just ahead on the road there was a broken down truck with no hazards on that he would have hit, and probably been killed by, if he stayed in the lane he had been in. To this day he's convinced the woman was trying to warn him, like an omen or something. It was the summer of 2005. A friend of mine, Wayne, and I decided to spend the day fishing at Upper Swauger Lake in the Lost River mountain range of Idaho. 
visited mostly by the locals this alpine lake is tucked up on a ridge overseeing two long, dry canyons on opposite sides. It sits just at the top of the treeline providing an uninhibited view of the sky and surrounding mountain peaks. The fishing is usually pretty good. If you like golden trout. I hate trout. They taste like mud. But I do love fishing. And some of the best, most secluded lake fishing can be found on these high, Idaho lakes. Getting to Swagger Lake is not an easy task. It's a 100-mile journey over a lonely highway from the region's largest town, Idaho Falls. When you hit the dirt road turnoff there are miles of four-wheel driving up the canyon to the hiking trail. Once at the trailhead it's a two-mile, 1,000-foot vertical gain hike up to the lake. But when you finally arrive, surrounded by the bald peaks of the Little Lost Range, it's all worth the effort. Arriving at the lake around noon, we spent the day fishing, relaxing, and chatting. Far down in the canyon, out of sight from us, we continually heard periodic loud blasts. Growing up in the rural US you get accustomed to people target shooting on public land. And that's what we concluded was happening below us. From the sheer thunderousness we guessed it was a large caliber muzzle-loading rifle. The blasts were spaced out long enough that they had to be manually reloading their guns. The shots reverberated and echoed throughout the canyon. Whoever was down there was having a bit of fun with their rifle. Unperturbed by the cacophony down in the canyon we continued fishing, only momentarily reminded of the explosions as they continued to occur throughout the day. The fishing was great and the day seemed to flash by. Before we knew it the sun was cresting on the mountains. We headed back to camp for the night. Wayne had caught his limit towards the end of the day, while I had been releasing mine. We settled down to a campfire and watched the sun sink behind the mountain peaks as Wayne cooked his muddy fish. It was twilight now. Aside from the crackling of the fire it was a quiet evening. The sky was absolutely clear and we watched as the star twinkled into existence in the sky. Our relaxation was interrupted by yet another one of those thunderous explosions. Only this time much closer to us. That was weird. Target shooting is extremely dangerous at night. Whoever was down there in the canyon was being very irresponsible. Wayne nudged me with his elbow and motioned for me to look in the direction of the sound of the last explosion. While not directly visible to us, there was a light down the mountain. It was illuminating the whole canyon. From the angles of the tree shadows we could see the source of the light was not at ground level. It was up high in the air and it was moving. We watched in bewildered silence as the light moved up the canyon. We still could not get a direct line of sight on it. There was another blast that seemed to shake my skull. The light in the canyon flashed almost a hundred times brighter than before. We could absolutely not make sense of what was happening. As we sat there, unsure of what to do, the light rose upwards out of the canyon. As it crested the trees and continued to rise. We could finally get a direct look. It was a brilliant ball of yellow golden light. Getting a size estimate was difficult, but I figured it was between 20 to 40 feet in diameter. The light rose silently above the canyon and then above our elevation at the lake. It stopped several hundred feet above the surrounding landscape and stayed there. The object's surface shimmered and danced. 
little feathers of sparks would periodically jump away from the object and fall down towards the trees below. Wayne looked at me and all I could do was shrug my shoulders and give him a I have no damn idea look. After a few minutes the ball's surface stopped dancing. It was completely still in the air above us. No sound. No movement. With no warning, it exploded in a deafening shower of sparks and blinding light. Wayne and I instinctively jumped into the dirt and covered our heads. The light was so bright I felt I could see through my closed eyelids. The explosion shook everything around us. I could feel the shock resonate in the ground beneath me. It was like the world was coming undone at the seams. Then everything was absolutely silent and dark. The whole event could only have been a handful of seconds long, but it felt like hours. When we looked up into the sky the ball of light was gone. We were left alone in just the dim light of the stars. Picking myself up out of the dirt all I could say to Wayne was what in the hell was that all about? He chuckled nervously, but didn't reply. We surveyed the camp and the surrounding area. Nothing seemed damaged or disturbed. There were no signs of fires that were started from the explosion. It was like nothing out of the ordinary had happened. The one thing that was off though was the time. It was late twilight when the light exploded above us but my watch was showing 2 o'clock in the morning. Further baffling us was Wayne's fish. They were now charred cinders above a bed of red coals that was once our campfire. I'm well aware of the phenomenon of missing time, but that was not possible. The stupid thing exploded. We hit the dirt. And then we picked ourselves up. Couldn't have been more than a couple minutes from the explosion to us getting up. I didn't have the mental capacity to process what had happened. I headed to my tent and went right to sleep. It was a deep, dreamless sleep. When I awoke the morning sun was illuminated. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. the tent. Wayne was already up and fishing. I asked him about his thoughts on what happened last night and he simply shrugged and said it either didn't happen or we saw something we probably shouldn't have. 
It's that or Marvin the Martian tried to kill us. We fished for a few hours that morning, then decided against camping another night at the lake. We packed up camp, and hiked down to our vehicle. This happened almost 20 years ago and I've been back to Swauger Lake several times over the years. I've never seen or heard anything like what we saw on that night again. I don't have an explanation for what happened and don't believe we ever will. It was 1989 in the Stanislaus National Forest, California. My dad and his friend, myself, and my brother regrouped for lunch to talk about how the deer hunting went. We were all sitting there and all of a sudden a young man in his 20s, holding his rifle ran towards us and scared out of his mind, was yelling, it's after me. He repeated this over and over again. The sound in his voice was primal fear. He never focused on us as he ran past. We got the cue from dad as he reached over and grabbed his 30.06 and chambered around. We were all loaded up and had our heads on a swivel. The young man ran until he was out of sight. He never even considered us as a safe haven or armed hunters. We never saw anything chasing after him, and we never saw him again. I've never seen someone scared out of their mind like that since. It occurred between Long Barn and Cherry Lake. My second experience is strange. It happened just a mile from the other account in the same remote Borland Mountain area trailhead. My 12-year-old son and I went on a night hike. We left the truck at the trailhead and started hiking at 9 p.m. I've done this night hike many times before and it takes exactly an hour and 30 minutes to get to camp. Just 10 minutes into our hike I noticed birds flying towards us, not sure why they did this. It was as if they were attracted to the lights or something to scare them towards us. At this time I felt confused because we were no longer standing on the trail. We were somehow in the bushes about 50 feet from the trail. It was as if we had sleepwalked into the bushes and woke up there. We were both perplexed. We finally arrived at our camp. The strange part was we got there at 11.45 PM. We lost track of over an hour's worth of time. We could not explain what had happened. The third event occurred after I had moved to northern Idaho. I live in a small town, and this happened early in April 2021. This experience shook me to the core. I still don't know what it was I saw. I was talking to my friend on the phone sitting on the porch and I heard my dog bark her head off. She never barks unless there's a good reason for it. I got up and headed to the side of the barn in a flanking direction while on the phone. I looked and saw her on the other side staring below. I looked in that direction. There was something dark standing there. It was at least 8 foot tall. I've lived in the woods all my life and I could not believe my eyes. It was a huge dark shadow hiding behind one of my pine trees. It was a thick dark smoke figure walking upright. My friend heard me say, WTF am I looking at? In that instant, it fled away from me towards a seasonal water drainage and disappeared. As I moved quickly away I yelled, in the name of Jesus you're not welcome here. I don't know why I said that, but I did. After this, my dog came to me and I noticed all of her fur was standing up. I had never seen her that worked up before. The next day I got the nerve and headed down to the lower property. There were no tracks in the snow. Also, 
My property is enclosed by five-strand barbed wire fences. Nothing was disturbed. Some strange things are going on here on our planet that no one seems to want to talk. I'll never venture into the woods at night ever again. So my brother is in the army, been gone half a year. I talk to him once a week and we discuss everything that goes on there and back home. Last week when we last spoke, he told me that one night when him and another cadet were in a foxhole, which is surrounded by deep forest, they heard a sound that could only be described as blood curdling. My brother and I are obsessed with the dogman phenomenon, and everything about the subject. We pick through all the hoaxes and cling on to what could really be true evidence. A while ago I came across a sound clip claiming to be one of the creatures recorded outside of someone's motor home or RV or whatever the story says, and it's really a frightening sound. We've heard many animals where we live, dogs, cats, bear, mountain lion, bobcat, owls, foxes, you name it, and this sound doesn't match up to anything known to humankind, a sound that almost sounds pure evil. When I spoke to my brother, he told me about the sound, and said it was almost identical to the sound recorded. The first thing I asked was if anyone else heard it, and that's when he told me his buddy heard it too. My mom, sister, and I were on our way to a baseball game of mine during my junior year of high school. This was in northern New York so spring got a little chilly at times. The main road we took stretched about 35 miles and was nothing but corn fields and tree lines. We hit a stretch of the road that was super foggy for no reason so my mom slowed down to a proper speed. We finally reached the end of the fog and we all looked to the left to see where we were. About 50 yards from the road was a man and woman in what appeared to be wedding clothing from at least 100 years ago, man wearing a big top hat and the woman wearing an old-looking white dress, holding hands with their backs to us walking towards the wood line. We drove past and I just remember the silence in the car until my mom said WTF was that? To this day whenever we are together and one of us tells the story, we all get goosebumps. It was October 5th th 2017 at 5 something in the morning, and I was driving myself to work. I like to take back roads because they're peaceful in the early hours of the morning. I was a few years fresh out of high school and never heard of Dog Man. I remember it was a full moon so the semi-harvested corn fields were illuminated and I could see all around me. Well the field I was driving next to was a soybean field, already harvested, so I could see the tree line on the other side unhindered. I noticed something moving really fast in the moonlight but it was far enough away that I thought maybe it was a deer running. It kept up with my truck I must have spooked the deer, I thought. I came to a curb with two homesteads on it where the tree line met the property line of the two I noticed at the corner of my eye something large so I glanced at what looked like a pointy-eared mass of fur. But by the time I turned my head completely to look through the passenger side door the giant woolly creature was right at my window, like we almost collided it had reared up, its chest which I could only see a glimpse of was partially hairy and almost human-like. I sped up and didn't look back till I got further down the road, I wanted to make sure it wasn't following me lol. 
The thing was tall and could run on all fours. But it was not shaped like an ape and it was not a bear. I live in northern Illinois and my work was next to a river and a forest preserve so I'm sure that it was trying to travel to the river as rivers have always been an easy means of travel for many species. Part of me still thinks the creature was just as surprised as I was, maybe it thought it could beat me and cross the road before I got there? When I got to work I was in shock still and tried to tell my co-workers what I had seen and they didn't know what to say, probably thought I was crazy. After that I began to research to make sure I really wasn't crazy and sure enough a ton of people have witnessed a tall dog man like creature roaming about North America. Before I delve into my sighting, let me provide some background information. Crosswicks or Chesterfield, New Jersey, is a known Revolutionary War battleground and may hold some supernatural or paranormal significance as evidenced by a cannonball lodged in an old building there. A few days ago, around 9 p.m., I was making my way back home from my current job, and it was pitch dark outside. For those familiar with the Chesterfield area, it's predominantly rural, with miles of farmland stretching as far as the eye can see. At night, visibility is extremely limited. Driving down the long roadways, I noticed something sprinting from the wooded side of the road into the fields. It was remarkably large, resembling the largest coyote or wolf I've ever encountered, about the size of a doe. It locked eyes with my car as it crossed the road. Its eyes were a vivid shade of yellow, and its coat had a dark brown hue. It moved on all fours and exuded an extremely intimidating presence. Baffled by the sight, I immediately alerted my family to the presence of this unusually large cannon in the area. I have absolutely no idea what it could be, but it was unquestionably the largest coyote or wolf I've ever witnessed. Another noteworthy detail is that my family's house, not far from the sighting location and surrounded by woods, has been unusually quiet these past few nights as I've been coming home. What did I see? Was it a hellhound, a dog man? or simply a large wolf. I have no answers, and I'm reaching out here in hopes of finding some insight. My grandfather told me the story about how he was driving west to east along an empty stretch of road in southern South Dakota. He stopped at a stop sign at an intersection with nothing in sight, no buildings and no other vehicles. Then there was a bright light that hit him. He looked up and saw a bunch of blinking lights. Next thing he knew, he was at the counter of a diner about an hour down the road. It was about six hours later and he had no idea what had happened. He asked the person at the diner when he came in and the guy told him he came in about 10 minutes ago and just started drinking coffee without talking much. My grandpa told him what had happened and the guy said something like, yep, that's happens around here sometimes. Nothing weird ever happened to him again. He avoided that area for the rest of his life. He said he doesn't believe in aliens and doesn't know what happened, but I had a suspicion he thought he had been abducted and just never accepted it. He told me never to tell this story to other people, but he died years ago and most of the people who knew him are dead, so I figured it was okay. I really don't know what happened, and it's freaking me out. 
I really just need some help understanding what happened to me and my friends. I'm sorry in advance, but this is going to be a long one. I want to preface this by saying it's 3 a.m. While I'm writing this, and I'm sorry for any grammar mistakes. Okay, let me explain. Two days ago I was with my friends, for safety reasons let's call them Callie and Xander, and we were at my grandparents' house while they were out of town because I am the caretaker of the house when they are gone and my friend wanted to hang out for a little bit. After I finished all my chores I decided I wanted to take them to my old hideout in the woods. I do remember telling them the woods were off limits and that if my uncle caught us I'd be in trouble. Xander was a little hesitant but ended up going with me and Callie. I just want to clarify they both agreed to go I did not force them. Anyway like a group of stupid teens in a horror movie we all walk to the woods looking to just have some fun and mess around. We get to the opening in the woods, and I tell them it's gonna be a very big climb. Callie pulls out her phone and starts recording. Xander sounds a little scared and says he's not good with climbing, but Callie ends up convincing him to go anyway. After Xander agrees, Callie screams, bring it on, in a joking way, it's important for the rest of the story later, before entering the woods with Xander and I. We get about halfway to the hideout when Xander stops and says he has an eerie feeling. I tell him it's probably nothing, and we continue walking. A few minutes later, we were at my old hideout, and Callie started being all loud and obnoxious, and I reminded her to be quiet because of my uncle. At some point, Xander asks if we can leave because his back was starting to hurt, so we got up and started walking back. We got out of the woods and started the walk back to the house when Xander and Callie started to freak out, saying they really didn't have a good feeling. I told them I didn't feel anything, but right as I did, I got a very scary image in my head. It was this thing it's about 6 feet 5 inches, black muscular figure with horns crawling on all four. I tell them this, and Callie ends up saying she needs to sit down because it felt like someone had punched her in the stomach, and then she collapses onto the ground. I look at Xander and ask him to help me get her up. She was still awake but really out of it, we start walking with her, and we only get a few steps when she regains complete consciousness. She looks at us and says, I'm scared. Right after she says that, we hear a little kid screaming bloody murder without thinking we all sprint back to the house. We get back to the house, and Xander and I are freaking out at this point, but Callie is oddly calm. We asked her what's wrong and she won't answer. Five minutes into trying to see if she's okay she starts mumbling in a language that isn't English, and for as long as I've known Callie, I know that the only language she knows is English. She keeps mumbling and then starts laughing, too. I tell Xander to get Callie to the car while I run inside the house to lock the doors. I get the house all locked down, and then I run to my car. Xander is holding Callie at this point, and I'm trying to find my key. I find it in my pocket, and I unlock the car for Xander to get Callie in the car. I hop in the car and crank it while Xander is getting her buckled in and everything. Xander get in the car and I rush out of there heading to my dad's house to get my sage and stuff because at this point Xander and I have a feeling she's not Callie anymore if you know what I mean. I'm speeding through some back roads to get to my dad's house because I realize the longer we're in the car, the worse Callie was getting. She was unresponsive and not reacting to anything we said to her. We get her to my dad's, 
and I run inside and get the sage. I told Xander to take her outside to the backyard so my neighbors wouldn't see us. Xander sits her down, and I light the sage, and I'm smudging the sage and saying something along the lines of this is her body, not yours, you need to leave. I do not welcome you here anymore. You're not allowed to haunt her, my friends, the house, or me. And about 20 minutes later, Callie comes back. We asked her what happened, and she said she didn't remember anything and that she felt trapped. Six or seven minutes later, my dad called me and told me he had just left work and that he was going to pick up food. I told him I had friends over, and he offered to get them food, too. At this point, we had all calmed down, we tell him what we want, we eat and laugh like nothing happened, but it doesn't end there at all. Next day, yesterday, my friend Xander didn't come to school. I texted him asking if he was okay, and this is what he said to me. Yeah, I'm fine. Something happened last night and it made me stay up until 3am so my mom let me stay home and then hours later he followed up with I think a spirit attached to me, like an evil one and Callie texted me saying something felt very wrong at her house. She sent me a video, and it was her walking into her room, and the blinds were moving. Stuff was knocked off shelves, and she was just freaking out because none of her family was house. She was alone hours after we got out of school that day, too. And to be honest, I don't like the feeling I get sleeping at my dad's. Not to mention, I have guinea pigs, and they've been acting weird since this happened. Like they're more aggressive towards me and each other. I really don't know what to make of this, and I need help understanding this. Edit, I want to clear a few things up for the people commenting. Thank you for doing so, but I want to make everything clear for y'all. Okay, we are a group of teenagers, 16 to 18, Xander and I are not Christian. I'm pagan and Xander is a non-believer completely. Callie is the only Christian in the group. I have a protection necklace, and Xander is just strong in a spiritual way. Callie was the only vulnerable one. I egorned their warnings because I didn't feel anything, and I normally can but I had forgotten I'm not as strong because I stopped my practices for a while so of course I didn't feel anything until it was too late. One more thing, like I said, I do practices, so I did know what to do when we figured out what was wrong with Callie. I could tell the energy wasn't too strong, so I knew that just sage and a chant would do it. When I was very young I was visiting a family friend at their camper in the woods, no idea where. I remember at one point being outside and hearing what sounded to me like a church choir, but we were in the middle of nowhere and it was dark out. No one else seemed to hear it. I still think about it and wonder where I was, and what on earth it could have been. This happened when I was much younger so details may be a little shoddy but honestly I remember it like it was yesterday. I live in Australia and we don't have much woodlands here besides a few that span on for a couple hundred acres or so, nothing like what Americans have, and when I was younger I'd get lost in these woods a lot and sometimes even sleep in them for a couple days at most surviving off fish and creek water, I never had any creepy encounters besides this one time. I was about 10 years old and just like I do at least once every 2 to 3 years, I had gotten lost in the woods again. 
I was completely fine during the day as I had eaten an hour prior to realizing I had no idea where I was so I had the old ah damn, here we go again moment and decided to walk around to find some sticks to make a little fire. I knew a lot about outdoor survival as my family went camping a lot and I watched videos on YouTube all the time since it interested me and I love the woods. I had set a fire up as it started getting dark and was about to put out my fire before I saw a small deer on the tree line just nearly out of range of my fire's light, it was staring at me which gave me some chills but I just went ah a little deer and I waved to it. The deer scurried off into a bush behind it and I couldn't see it any more than I heard this really weird noise like twigs snapping and all of the sudden a much larger deer came out of the same bush I just saw the small one jump into. At this point I knew something was off so I stood up and stared at the deer as it starred back at me and I was mentally preparing myself for the idea that this thing could run at me, I was a little kid WTF am I supposed to think? The deer started walking a bit towards me and I backed up a little and crouched down but as the deer kept getting closer and I kept backing up I looked down and realized this F had a hoof directly in the fire and wasn't reacting to it at all. This creeped me the F out I mean his fur was burning and it was starting to burn its skin but it just wasn't reacting, I immediately set off bolting but I heard it coming behind me, not really running but fast enough to keep up with my little legs. I came over this small hill and jumped down into a bush to try and hide from it and that's when it happened, the scariest thing I've ever seen in my entire life and I remember it so vividly. The deer silhouette against the moonlight appeared and as I stared at the deer it let out this blood curdling call that I've never heard from another animal before and all of the sudden the silhouette started caving in on itself, I could hear its bones snapping and flesh ripping and this thing just kept getting smaller then suddenly it got much bigger and I closed my eyes because I just couldn't watch anymore. When I opened them, there was a man standing where the deer stood or at least, the silhouette of a man. He was looking around and then started calling out in this creepy almost distorted voice hello? Hello? And he repeated this for about 10 minutes while I just sat there in silence refusing to answer whatever the F stood just a couple meters above me. The man then just walked off into the trees and I heard that same awful snapping noise before it eventually faded away. I didn't sleep that night. I stayed in that bush the rest of the night terrified that this thing could still be lurking around the area, waiting for me to appear again. Once the morning came I walked in a straight line until I reached a road I recognized and then I ran home. I didn't tell my family about it as I feared I wouldn't be taken seriously but I was terrified. I haven't been into the woods since that day and always stayed home when my family went camping after begging them not to go. I'm 21 now. That incident was 10 to 11 years ago and I still remember that silhouette and the noise of the bones snapping. I've done tons of research and my only conclusion to what happened is that I narrowly escaped a skinwalker. I'm tearing up from fear as I write all of this, remembering that horrific night. I hope you all enjoyed my retelling and if anyone has any other explanation on what this could have been please tell me. My dad passed back in 2001 and my mom has been without him all these years, they were married over 50 years when he passed. My mom tends to keep everything and when it was time for her to leave that big house she had shared with my dad, she struggled letting go even more. She was moving into a senior apartment and as she packed things up, 
She kept coming across dimes. She'd find them under things as she was packing. Every time she'd find one, she would put it on the windowsill in the kitchen. She had about six dimes when she moved. I told her I thought it was dad, encouraging her to keep packing, that he wanted her out of that house. For her new apartment I bought her a little ceramic box with a guy playing the saxophone, my dad placed the sax, for her to put her dimes in. On moving day, we were walking back and forth down the short hall from the outside door to her apartment door, just about 30 feet. After about an hour, I was walking down her hall that I had walked with boxes many times, and there on the carpet, was a dime. My mom turned 97 on Saturday. She's slowing down, but she gets on Facebook, emails, and streams stuff on her iPad. And she still finds dimes. Just found one today. Me and my roommate work late nights. At about 12 midnight we set a course on a back road home. We live in PA and it's on the countryside. I have never experienced anything like this. I like to believe and invest in lots of theories and paranormal, but this was a first for me. We were traveling down a dark road. Curvy. No turns left or right. But up and down hills. Just high enough so that for a split second or two when a car passes on the opposite side, you might not see them. A car with blue LED lights was driving forward a few yards away in the other lane coming towards us. We both noticed it, no thought about it just was noticeable because of those annoying blinding lights. It went down the road, while we went up. Following the natural curve of the road, but as we reached the top the car never passed. It was gone. It was only two seconds at most it was out of our sight. There was no parkways, houses, or turns on this road for this car to go. It was all ramps, trees. If it even crashed, we would see it because of its blinding lights plus the lack of street lamps since we were on a back road. I looked over at my roommate and yelled, where did that car go? And my roommate started freaking out saying that they thought they were seeing things. We completely started flipping out about it since it was our first time witnessing something like that. It vanished. In a blink of a I was gone. I started to wonder if this was a glitch in the matrix or perhaps the car, or us, entered some sort of time shift. Wondering if the other car also saw a US disappear as well. It was really weird and unexplainable and has caused me and my roommate to question everything we know about life. Has anyone else had something like this happen? And if you witness it, what can you do to calm the mind after seeing something unreal to you? I used to work for FedEx and would have to be on the clock by 3 a.m. I took the highway straight there every time and very rarely saw other cars on the way. However there was one spot on the highway where there was a solid divider wall between the two directions where just as I was passing I would glimpse something. I would always think, was that a person? But it would be bigger than my car. I would look in my mirrors but not be able to catch anything. I would be determined to pay more attention next time to see what it was. During daylight when I drive home there's nothing there. Not a bush or pole or anything. Then the next morning when I'm going to work again I either forget entirely until it happens or if I remember I still somehow can't look. 
like even though I'm telling myself here it comes, after this landmark, any time now keep watching, was that a person? But it was the presence and again I missed it. My wife and I were finishing our trip to NC, heading back to O. It's a pretty straightforward route. I 40 to I 75. No real time saving outer belts or anything, that I know of. Shortly after leaving NC, we were stuck in construction for 30 minutes. The entire time we were at a crawl behind a car that stuck out to us because it had plates from our neighboring county back home as well as two very distinctive bumper stickers of a small college in said county. As soon as the construction let up, it was hammered down, had to make up the lost 30 minutes. We probably averaged 85 miles per hour and I could count on one hand the number of cars that actually passed us. Four hours later, we're approaching Lexington and we passed the same car that we were behind in the construction. She was just cruising at the speed limit in the middle lane. My wife pointed it out, but kind of shrugged it off. I made a much bigger deal about it. It made zero sense to me. We hadn't stopped, hadn't slowed down, hadn't been passed by her. I know there's no real answer other than she must have passed us without me knowing, but I really don't see how that's possible. I live in an apartment surrounded by a residential area in the US. When I leave out of the back entrance, I can look across a city-owned parking lot to see the backyard of a few homes. One in particular has a swing set that someone, around preteen age, uses constantly. I'm talking when I take my dog out at 8am, around lunchtime some days, dinner time, even around 3am. Every day. They're of school age so I think that's why I don't normally catch them swinging during the midday. There's no schedule, but I can usually put money on the fact that they're swinging. I'm typing this at 6.02 PM and they're swinging. The first few times I heard it at night the creepy sound of a squeaky swing set and thought it was just some teenager being angsty. Now it's like clockwork just about whenever I go outside, unless it's raining. It could be 100 degrees Fahrenheit, 10 degrees, they're still swinging. Occasionally I'll be around when the swinging stops, but I could come back a few hours later and they're swinging again. Their back is to me and the backyard is partially covered by trees, so I'm not really able to see much of them but I can definitely see that they're swinging. I didn't want to tell anyone in my apartment in case they think I'm a nutcase, so I thought I'd look like a nutcase in front of internet strangers. Edit, Jesus Christ, I think some of y'all think I'm calling for the kid's head. I don't care what they do, and I wouldn't go to their house or do anything to the child. I just thought I was going crazy at first hearing the squeak of a swing set at 3 in the morning, only to start seeing some child out there swinging for like 12 hours a day. This isn't my story, but my sister's. Usually I'd call BS, but I remember how shaken she was, and I saw the last part of the situation. I can't quite remember the year exactly. Somewhere between 2010 to 2012, as I was too a child, but I digress. It was my sister's birthday, and in child fashion, she ran downstairs at a stupid time, pretty sure it was like 4 AM, and it being the start of spring, 
The mornings were still quite dark. Anyways, she ran down the stairs to go and see her presence that she had dreamt of weeks prior. She claims to have seen a little boy, wearing blue night clothes, holding a brown teddy bear, standing by her presence. My sister was young, but old enough to realize this was an abnormal sight. She tried to walk slowly, not trying to be detected by the uninvited guest, but he turned around and smiled, before walking into the next room, the kitchen. She ran down, completely disregarding her presence, and followed him. She saw him again, as he stood still in the kitchen. She apparently began to talk to him, but got no answer, as he just smiled at her. He again ran, into the toilet just down the side of the kitchen. I heard all of this happening and finally decided to tell her to be quiet as everyone is still asleep. As I walked down, I heard her shouting in the kitchen side. She saw me and began hysterically crying, telling me that a little boy is sitting behind the door, not wanting to talk. This scared me shitless, thinking that there could have been some robber in the house and she was somehow mistaken. I walked into the toilet, moving the door, to see nobody there, aside from a teddy bear. To this day, we still have no explanation on what this could have been. Surely something paranormal couldn't leave behind a physical object, right? I'm not entirely sure if my sister still has the teddy as we don't really talk about it, not wanting to scare our younger siblings. Our parents think it's supernatural as they heavily believe in that stuff, but there has to be some solid reasoning behind it. She thinks it could be an guardian angel of sorts, but I think it's something wrong, reality-wise. Anybody have any thoughts or advice on what it could be and what actually happened?